Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Ba 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 ba. Happy Christmas. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now only 31 shopping days left until Christmas. You don't have too long, and you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV and stuff all year round. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight are my co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. I'm drinking. Do Brad first. Okay, and uh, Mr. Bradford. I'm drinking. Season's greetings. Hi everybody, how 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 are we doing, gang? It's been a while since we've all convened for this. It's been a minute. It's been a yeah, minute. Yeah, I was hiding. Yeah, John, John, you've been uh, you you've been uh, uh away from the world for uh, I've I've lost all track of time, as you can tell. I have no idea what day it is. Uh, I just know yeah. it by the it's days Tuesday. It's, it's yeah, I guess it's Tuesday. Thank you. To pull back the curtain a little bit, it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It's the Tuesday but before it's also, Thanksgiving. It's also Friday. And Monday? It's also no, Friday. It's, no, the, it's Friday. If you're hearing this the day we drop this episode, it's Friday. But specifically, it's Black Friday. And, and if you're listening to this on Monday, it's Monday. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Cyber Monday. Welcome to Cyber Monday. Hope you ball your shit on Small Town Saturday or whatever it's called. Buy me a Nintendo Switch so I can play the Mario game and the Zelda game. Okay. Um, Thanks, all, all the hot deals uh, this this well, week, you... this year on uh, Black Friday uh, in the Christmas Creeps uh, Sky Mall magazine. Uh, hey, what's what's the? Oh, I get it. It's because it's a Shane Black movie. Ah, oh, okay, I get it now. Okay. Oh, Thank you. there it is. Because it's not just Black Friday; it is Shane Black Friday. Yes, because this week Jack on the Black episode, Friday. this week That's on the next ep- year. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sorry, this week on the episode. This week on the episode of the show that we do, we're talking about a Shane Black movie from 2005. It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. From the period where Robert Downey Jr. was no longer Robert Downey Jr. and he was trying to get back up to Robert Downey Jr. status. Um, <laughs> before he became Iron Man. This yes. is before the Iron Man? This is before when Iron, was Man. Iron Man. This, Iron Man, Iron was, Man was 2007, 2008 or so. Yeah, 2008. This is not, the movie that got him Iron Man. I've never seen a single Iron Man film. You are missing um, out on exactly one Iron Man film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it the third one? It could possibly be the third one. Uh, okay. Which we may need to save for a later episode. Uh, is it, be, does it that take place during one. Christmas as well? It 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 ostensibly does, but just like this movie, just like this movie does. But that's more a factor of the fact that Shane Black, as a director, really loves like Christmas lights and cannot st- cannot resist putting them in all of his movies. Well, hey, th- I'd I, make a I, case I, for Iron Man One being an Iron Man movie, but not two. Two's an ACDC music video. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, so I guess we're going to maybe get a little bit acquainted with, uh, with Mr. Black and his works Mr. on this Black. podcast at, at some point. Oh, we've, we've already, uh, kind of run into Shane Black on this podcast before. Uh, have, he's, of course, the screenwriter of, uh, Lethal Weapon, which we've covered on the podcast. Um, that was his first, I think his first, like, sold screenplay in Hollywood. He made a, I think that was the first screenplay that sold for a million dollars. He also played, uh, Pee Wee in Pee Wee's Playhouse. No, he didn't. He didn't? 
No, he, he, he didn't. He played that was Pee-wee and Herman something. Monster. He played. Wait, there was multiple people that played Pee-wee. Yeah, one of them was Shane Black. No, it was it was it was Paul Rubens, and it was Shane Black, and it was Jack Black. And then it was <laughs> shut up, stop you, it. You know what? For real, I thought you were doing a thing where you were going to say that his character in the movie Predator was named Pee-wee. Um, uh, <laughs> but no, that's not the case. Shane Black Shane was Black in did, was in the movie Predator, but he was his name was not Pee-wee. Spink, let's get us back on track talking about holidays. Speaking of John Rubens and Wieners and Pee Wee Herman, one time my dad dressed up as Pee Wee Herman for or for Halloween, not for Christmas. That'd be really weird. Um, and he wore this costume into the office, and this was shortly after the theater scandal with Mr. Rubens. Oh, and he good walked Lord. around and shook people's hands, and he had put mayonnaise in his hand. Jeez. Ah, so there's a little flavor. There's a little holiday flavor for you. Um, Your dad's a weird dude. My dad's kind of the best sometimes. <laughs> um, anyways, enough about uh, enough about Brad's weird enough, dad gimmicks. Enough about my weird dad. Uh, let's talk about this movie. All right, yeah, weird dads beget weird Brads. <laughs> well, I guess this movie is kind of about a weird dad. If by weird you mean a pedophile, which my dad is. Hopefully not. I don't think he is. Hey, yeah, we don't. And, we don't need to I'm go gonna there. Go, I'm gonna go ahead and say he's not. But this movie is a, slightly about that. <laughs> Your dad is not a pedophile, but this movie, unfortunately, is. <laughs> Let the record show. My father is not not a pedophile. Anyways. So, have you tried the salted caramel Pepsi holiday bullshit? Oh, hey, no, I have. I, I have don't like normal Pepsi. I'm the weirdo oh, yeah, we who got has food. to buy the the weird Pepsi. I did try it. It tastes like thirty year old Pepsi. Ugh. I I am going to say it tastes like someone put some salted caramel in Pepsi. I will let you decide whether that's good or bad. But truth it, and it, labeling. Yeah, it, it 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 is accurate. Is all is all I'll say about it. It is an accurate label. While we're on the subject of gross holiday food, do you mind if I derail the podcast for like three minutes? Do it. Okay, because I have in my hands right now a peppermint Twinkie. And I threatened to eat this on the podcast before, but now I actually have one. Do it. What what part of it is peppermint? The cream or the outside? It's a, it appears to be the outside because it's it's it looks like a Fuck. it looks like a red velvet cake Twinkie is what it looks like. You would think it would be easier to put it in the cream. You'd think. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I would. I was expecting like a normal Twinkie just with like peppermint flavored, cream. Yeah, pe- peppermint cream. If they made the cake itself flavored like mints, they are it's, bad people. It's, yeah, it seemed way harder to like get the formula right for making the cake taste like peppermint than the cream to taste like peppermint. But what do I know? Oh, because not getting the not getting the formula right wouldn't fucking stop them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you know what though? It probably would be a bad idea to make the cream peppermint because then it would just feel like you're eating toothpaste. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I think I think Joe is. Joe is uh, chomping right now. You know what, you guys? You're, you're not too far what? off. It kind of tastes like eating toothpaste. Oh. So there you have it. Um, a recommendation across the board. Eat toothpaste. It's kind of spongy and a little mm-hmm. bit pepperminty. Yeah. It's exactly the what you would expect a Twinkie to taste like if you also had peppermints in your mouth. So how far off is it from like a mint chocolate chip ice cream? Because I do like that. Well, there's no chocolate in this. Well, yeah, but is it thank, like a thank light the good mint? sweet lord for that? No, it's it's a very yeah. it's a very light mint. Okay. It's not overpowering. But make mine mint. But you are still eating a Twinkie, so there's that. Okay. All right, yeehaw. And let's just go, this is not holiday related, but it is bad food related. Let's just go off of how much does 
the following phrase without tasting it make you like shudder and revulsion. Okay. Cookies and cream pocky. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe that's my weeb, my inner weeb being like, oh, mm, pocky. Don't mind if I do. Well, it was, right, it was right next to the regular ass one, except it was cookies and cream, so it was like white pocky. I don't know. All I'm saying is I haven't had a I haven't met a pocky I didn't like. <clears throat> except and, for the weird salad ones. Those are really gross. And Brad has met quite a few pocky in his day. Oh, all the pocky I've met. <laughs> oh, the pocky you'll meet. The, um, the five pockies you'll taste in heaven. <laughs> Oh, suddenly this show uh, got really racist. It must be 2005. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ain't that All the right. truth? Oh, man. All right, so that's okay. a good place Which to start us... with this yes. with this episode because this movie is very much of its time and place, and its time and place happens to be 2005. Gentlemen, had, you, had yeah. either of you seen this film before? No. No. Okay. I had. Had you? I had, okay. yes. Um, it, when it came around to my college campus... In 2005, I went to see it and immediately fell in love with it, and it has been probably about 10 years since I've seen it. Um, yes. Which is kind of where I'm at right now, where watching it in 2017, I realized, yeah, this is definitely a 2005, as John put it, off-podcast, very uh, George W. Bush-era um, Hollywood film. I mean, I'm not going to say it's without some merits, <clears throat> but it has not aged well, and that overshadows every part of this endeavor. Which is really weird because in pretty much every other aspect, you could be mistaken. You could mistake this film for a film that had come out just in the last year or two. It looks fairly, oh, it looks really modern. Si- cell phones aside. Years, at least. Cell phones yes. aside. It looks fairly modern. But, yes. uh, yeah, this is definitely from a time and place where, you know, 12 years ago, you could get away with, um, lots of, lots of, uh, off color, uh, gay jokes and terrible innuendo and things like that. Yeah, so let's should we just go ahead and uh, yeah, get, address the elephant in the well. It's not even really an elephant in the room because we're going to talk about it. Um, this movie is full of what I would call like casual homophobia. Yeah. Um. So it fails. Uh, there's this one test. Uh, I forget the name of it because you know that there's the uh, there's the, uh, the Bechdel uh, test. The Venkum test? Okay, because, you wait, know, there's the one wait, where it's, it's... Hang on, it's, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Okay. Stop the podcast. I said the All Bechdel right. test. Jonathan Bechdel. Five said the Voigt-Kampf test. Brad put those two together and called it the Venkman test. Okay, so we have the Venkman test, which is... <laughs> um, you know, you have the one test where we have... Um, it's a it's a, fi- a test in fiction where um, if there are two women characters, can they be in a scene where they do not talk about a man... Um, and is one and, of them really a robot? And is one of them really a robot? There, yeah, that's another. That's actually the Bechdel test, I believe. <laughs> yes, um, this is true. But there's another. There's another similar test. Um, the name of it escapes me at the moment. I really should have looked it up before the podcast. Um, but it's if you have a um, an LGBTQ character uh, in a work of fiction. Is their primary character trait the fact that they are LGBTQ, or are they, you know, just a normal person, as most normal people are just normal people, uh, etc.? You know, is their defining trait, is the script written around the fact that they are, they, they, they have this, um, this sexual identity or gender identity? And the answer for this movie is a clear, 
Does this film fail that test with raging no, rainbow no, I'm, colors? I'm going to object because there were some moments where Val Kilmer's character, Gay Perry, was just gay, the gay out yeah. of everything. But there were lots of moments where he was just a guy. And it didn't okay, really so so okay, I, I agree. I agree with that. But it's it's like 80% of scenes are probably failing this test. Well, I, here's more the thing. Have you have either of you seen Anchorman 2? Yes. Yes. Okay, you know how in Anchorman 2, there's a point where Will Ferrell's character, Ron Burgundy, is dating his like producer, who's an African-American woman, and he just goes around going, black, uncontrollably for a while. Yeah, I remember that. Robert Downey Jr.'s character is that, but with the word gay for, like, 90% of this movie. Yeah, but it's not even... I mean, it's kind of played up, but it's not, like... It's not played up in the way that Anchorman did it. I, that's what I'm saying. It's that, but unironically. Like, he is... Yeah, just, it's he is unironic. Just, it's more the fact that, like, Val Kilmer's character in this movie spends most of the movie saying, look at all the things that I can get away with because I'm gay. Well, it's not only that. It, it it's it's Robert Downey Jr.'s character's Hen, Henry's reaction to it. Like, there's one part in the beginning of the movie which is just outrightly homophobic, where he's like, they, uh, Henry's talking about it's like, oh, you you had that girl in high school that you always like, you know, always thought you'd end up with, and then um, Perry talks about some dude. And well, he doesn't though. He Robert Downey Bobby, well, which could go eat, which could be a dude or a lady, and. He, well, Gay then, Perry but, does make but a then, comment that he's not really gay, too. I don't know if he's joking or not, but he does say he likes but, the name more than he likes the identity. No, that's definitely a joke, because Gay Perry is the most sarcastic human being on the planet. Okay. That right. is definitely but, a joke. But, but point being is is after after Perry says this, um, Henry, like, visibly, like, retches a little bit. Like, yeah. That, that's very, the, yeah, very 2005. Yeah, where it's like, ugh, gross, Ugh, butt stuff. Ugh. Yeah, like the kind of thing where you'd have a person say that they're okay with gay people as long as gay people are like an abstract concept they don't have to actually deal with in Correct. any form. Correct. It's very 2005 in that regard. And also, uh, let's point out that there's a scene or a character very early on in this film who is a big shot Hollywood producer and he spends like his one scene like telling Gay Perry that he does not get why gay people are gay. Which right. like... I don't think that person exists in the real world, especially not in Hollywood of all places. Well, the, well, the, no, the I, I think that Hollywood. they definitely exist. I would think that person would exist only in Hollywood. Hmm. Really? Hollywood seems to have like the worst of any type of person you can imagine. Like, well, that is a, true. Any character but, trait, well, like the worst version of it, exists in Hollywood. I suppose that's true, given like the uh, the wave of like sexual misconduct allegations that are just flooding out of that town at a constant rate these days i can kind of see that but um yeah i don't know i guess it's so, so legit what's what what is the what is the thing here is it that sociopaths flock to hollywood or that hollywood makes sociopaths both yeah it's i'd say a little column a, a little column b six of one half dozen of the other absolutely yeah um um i'd say more the former than the latter though oh that's tough Actually, that's really tough. I'd say about even. Hey, so uh, before we really get off the on the wrong subject here, uh, I, I want to talk about the plot, but I also don't want to just like go through it point by point because there's a the, this, lot of tiny little movie yeah, parts. This plot's a fucking jumbled mess because it's a half parody, half 
sincere noir this, film. This this movie breaks the fourth wall more times than I would compare it the wall breaking to Wayne's World maybe. Yeah, it's pretty in it's terms pretty, of where at I'm least big, one character yeah. is is aware that they're making a movie and they are occasionally but not constantly talking to the camera. I am sort of a fan of fourth wall breaking when it's done well. I don't know that this this movie I don't know that it pulls it off as elegantly as some movies, but it it does a fair enough job. It, it reminds me actually of The Naked City, which has fourth wall breaking right at the start because like the narrator who is actually the narrator for the regular story starts out by just describing the fact that they're making a movie and this guy's in it and that guy's in it as well. You know the one thing that I feel like this movie was ripe for, but it didn't do What's to that? its credit, is the freeze frame at the beginning. Yep, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I thought I got into this predicament. Well, it all started a while ago. Actually, it kind of does that, but it avoids. Well, the trope. it it sort of does that, but it it opens on like this um sort of street festival in you know any town usa where this kid is doing a magic show and it freeze frames on him and he goes yep that's me watch the dumb shit i'm getting ready to do no it doesn't do that though because he later complains earlier later in the movie that oh i should have done that in the the beginning sorry yeah so it it subverts that a little bit somewhat yeah but like this yeah like this this movie i feel like is like shane black on speed because this is everything that he's always done and has done since then but like amped up to 11 somehow like, this like movie he's... was only 103 minutes that's baffling to me yeah like so like he's shit if... happened he has yes. got he has got something to prove with this movie and by god uh, if he doesn't achieve something by the end of it um mm. so yeah let's just let's get through the sort of the broad strokes of the story here because there's a lot of little moving parts and we can talk about them as we get to them but uh, I can I can kind of barrel through it a little bit. You want me you to try to it? knock it out in in three minutes? No, because we know we can't do that. We we've we've no, tried no, and tried again. I, I can knock it out though. The only characters worth worrying about basically are Robert Downey Jr. plays um, Harry Harry Lockhart. Harry Lockhart, who is a small time thief. Um, he at the beginning is has a botched burglary attempt. His partner gets shot. He runs into a Hollywood edition. Um, to like hide from the cops and nails it and gets flown out, um, flown out to Hollywood to be in this movie, um, basically because Colin Farrell is asking for too much, right? And like the the excuse is like, oh, they flew out this nobody who will definitely take the part for less money. The the idea is they're they're uh, later on is revealed they're trying to scare Colin Farrell into taking less money. Basically. Right, right, saying, right. Look, we got this. it's a it's a Futurama bullshit thing. Um, and and so when he gets out there, he meets uh, Perry. Who actually is Perry? He's a private investigator. He's a private He's... investigator, but he works with like the 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 Hollywood producers to sort of train actors to do detective Police work, detective so. like, parts to train them to act like detectives, basically. So he is he is Hollywood adjacent, but he is primarily a private detective. He is in fact a detective, yes. And while. He's out there. He meets Harmony Faith Lane, who is a childhood friend of his, who he does not remember at first, and he gets off on the wrong foot with her by immediately sleeping with her friend. Yes. Whoops the doodle. As so as we, you do. As you do. Yeah. And so then we move forward, and Perry and uh, Harry are. Why are their names wrong? God damn it. Perry and Harry. It's almost like are, they're supposed to be together. Oh. Are on like a little stakeout that. Um, Harry, uh, Perry's been hired by 
what's the name? Something Ames. Allison Ames. To, uh, Allison yeah. Ames. To film something at some house. They end up stumbling on these two guys driving a, or just pushing a car into a lake, pretty much. They break open the car, they find a corpse inside. Perry accidentally, like, he shoots the lock off the car and the bullet hits the corpse. Whoops a doodle. So they drag her out and um, they just kind of leave her there, don't they? No, um, yes, they do. And, th- and but then, bef- not before not before Harry flags down the two people yeah, he who waves- just pushed the car off of the cliff. Yeah, so there's a bunch of little sh- shenanigans. The next night, Harry ends up in his room with um, Harmony, who is kind of halfway forgiving him for sleeping with her best friend. And at one point, she is leaving, and he finds that that corpse from last night in his shower. What she's freaking out because obviously that means the people who murdered her know where she, know where he lives, and they are trying to pin the murder on her. He finds a gun in there in his house. Right. In he his, in his he room. calls Harry, freaks out, and tries to like you know what do I do with this? There's a corpse here. What do I do? Harry uh, Perry walks him through what to do. Meanwhile, Harmony is leaving as the cops have been called on Harry because he's being set up. Harmony misdirects Correct. the cops, and then she goes back up to see what the hell Harry's doing. And she goes outside and catches them. Yes, out, and catches them outside with the corpse. Right. Or she you no. Know, she catches them putting. She does not know they have a corpse. She, they dump it on the side of the street. It gets revealed that it is the daughter of Dexter oh, Harland Dexter, who Harland Dexter, who we met earlier is. as the host of the party that we meet Harry and Perry and everybody else at. He's right. like a a a one time Hollywood actor who is now, well, we'll soon discover. And then he also gets gets a call saying that Harmony has committed suicide. Yes. Which she then shows up at his apartment a little later, crying that her sister uh, crying that her sister is dead. Correct. Because her sister had apparently broken into her apartment and stolen her wallet, her keys, her, ID. her identity. Yeah, her purse, even, even including the piece of paper that had Harry's number on it. Right. And because right. Then she reveals kind of the backstory of that her dad was molesting the do- the younger daughter, and Harmony fled to Hollywood to make it big so she could come back and rescue her rescue her sister. She has never made it back yet because she didn't make it big. Right. She starred in one commercial. Yeah. With a bear. With a bear. And the bear stole the scene. <laughs> I, yes, he did. The CGI bear stole Gennaro's, the scene. But what do I know? I'm a bear. I suck the heads off fish. Yes. If there correct. is a better, if there is a better slogan for beer in a in a film, I do not know it. I so, I don't think there is. So then there's a bunch of like noir hijinks. There's some there's some two dudes who are trying to kill Robert Downey Jr. Um, there's a bunch of burn after reading shit. He loses his finger. Yeah. A dog eats it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch. There's yeah. a couple more corpses involved. And, and one of, one of the sort of the overarching sort of themes of this film is that it's sort of structured like a trashy detective novel that sort of never was because harmony is a big fan of these detective novels and she explains to harry harry how... is too like they are they are they are yelling plot points from novels at each other oh absolutely Harsley. yeah they're, they're both like super fans and she's like they're explaining this stuff to her and they're explaining it to, to perry who and where harry says you know all these books always have one case and then another case and then as you as you soon discover both cases are actually you know intertwined which is exactly what happens in this film because Perry is on one mission, Harry's on another, and oh wouldn't you know it they both sort of meet up at the end. Yeah. Yes. 
Do we want to spoil it or do we care? I mean, I would it's, I would it's say It's a movie from 2005 if you haven't seen it yet. If you want to watch it, stop and watch it. Right. It's if you have Amazon Prime, it's streaming right there. You can go check it out now. It's it's pretty breezy for a a uh, yeah, motor like, is, mouth. It, uh, it's not it, Yeah, it's comedy. not a chore to watch. It doesn't drag. Like I said, I was amazed this movie was only 103 minutes because there was a lot of shit going on in it. Yes. This movie moves at a at a monstrous pace. Um, but basically the way it shakes out is that Harmony had told her little sister that the actor who played Johnny Gossamer, the pulp detective in this one movie, who is Dexter, Harlan Dexter? Yes. Who's played by Corbin Burnson, is, was her real father. So she goes out to Hollywood to seek him out, while at the same time Harlan is having a fight with his daughter, his, his estranged daughter, his, yeah. over the mother's inheritance and he and actually what he ends up doing is pretty much kidnapping his own daughter and swapping her for a lookalike in a mental hospital and then at then at one point they we run into the lookalike who is a pink-haired girl who appears in one scene and then is mentioned later like oh remember that pink-haired girl who died yeah she's important to the plot now well, that happens pretty much throughout this entire movie where they keep dropping these little details. And they even mention it when they're breaking the fourth wall where they're like, oh, all these little details, they matter later. And everything is tied up pretty neatly into a, into a little bow. Um, as, as, you might ex- as, <laughs> yeah, as you might expect with the, um, so, uh, with, with the, the novels. Yeah, so basically the daughter comes out. She ends up finding... Dexter, who she assumes, who she thinks is her real father, fucking the daughter lookalike, and she's like, oh, I left one incest ad for a second incest ad, and so she kills herself. And then everything else was all tied up in Dexter trying to make it look like his daughter was dead. So that, like, he killed his real daughter, and then he killed off the replacement, too, just to cover his tracks so he could just get the inheritance. And at this point, in case you're wondering why we're talking about this film, all of this takes place over Christmas. There's yeah. a scene where Harmony is wearing a skimpy Santa outfit because she's working at a party where her job is to look pretty. And then there are weird reindeer ladies. Yeah, there's an entire and... like party that takes place in this like weird Hollywood sort of, uh, uh, I guess, nightclub space. And it's, it, it's, it's very It takes Christmas place in the, in the club in the Matrix, except on, like, Christmas night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I believe the timeline for this movie is it it's, takes place over four days, and the first day is the 21st, and the, the final day is Christmas. That that checks out, yeah. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically the, uh, the full, the full rundown of the plot of this movie. There's a, there's a lot of tiny little moving parts, and like we said, you know, uh, the narration, like Harry narrates the film, and he keeps like stopping the film, literally like stopping the the film in its tracks to say, "Oh shit, wait a minute, back up, I, I need to show you a detail." It's and pure strain, Robert Downey Jr. Flubbity Druthers through most of it. Exactly, yeah. Like this is like the fast talking, uh, bullshit slinging, you know, character that that got him the Tony Stark character, and he's have he's kind of not stopped playing that character ever since. Um. But uh, this is kind of where all of that originated, and if it didn't like make a huge splash like at the box office because it didn't, like at least a lot of the right people saw the film uh, to get him that part. And thanks to that, we have Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Where he plays Doug Iron Man. Doug Iron Man. Yes. So um, yeah. So I, it I. 
I'm very conflicted about this movie. I mean, that's that's it, guys. That's the true story of what happened last Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's how it wraps up. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so I, I I get the sense that this like a lot of this was not working for you guys, and I, I understand that part of that's probably due to the fact that like this is a very sort of uh, talky, uh, self-reflexive sort of. Uh, what's I'm trying to think of I, the right word for this, and I, I think it's self-congratulatory. Like it's uh, it's like, so far up its own ass. I didn't it, it, mind the, the, that the movie part does so much. Kind of think it's too clever by half at points. Yeah, that's not so annoying. Like, I mean, the big thing was like just the movie. Just every once in a while, I wanted to remind you that it takes place in 2005. Pretty much, oh, yeah. that was my yeah. main umbrage with it. Like, I didn't. I can deal with like the schlocky, like, man, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> aren't we so clever i don't mind that it was all of the it, it, it didn't age well in that regard and i feel like if you could change those parts of the movie like i would i would have loved this movie mm. um a movie that i kept coming back to when i was watching it i kept thinking about was burn after reading because it very feels very similar although burn after reading is a send-up of uh, sort of espionage and and you know uh, these these sort of internal you know spy thriller tales. It, it sort of has the same. I don't I was know. Thinking it's more the going Big on. Lebowski a little bit while I was watching it. <clears throat> yeah, it's that's got, funny it's because I'm kind of a Coen Brothers vibe to it. It's like sort of the, the way that the humor works and the way that the characters are are built. Just the sense of like there's a caper going on that nobody really understands, and it's just a big fat hoopla about nothing basically exactly. well yeah and, and and that's why it, was, it reminds me of burn after reading too is, is to quote um one of the characters at the end he's like wow that was a clusterfuck because this entire movie <laughs> is a clusterfuck oh yeah, and it's yeah. not a bad it's not a bad clusterfuck it's just a slightly casual it's, it's just a casually homophobic clusterfuck that is a period you know is is a product of its of its time um which is yeah, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to say that to. De- we're not saying that to defend it. Let's be clear. We're just saying no. This movie came out in two thousand five. Two thousand five was really fucking homophobic. Therefore, this movie is really fucking homophobic. That is. That is. It's true. It's yeah. True. When when I was watching this movie, I was I I text or you know in the group chat I I I sent it to you too. I was like, was two thousand and five this homophobic or am I just remembering incorrectly? I don't know. And I mean, my response was, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry came out in 2007. Yeah. That's true. So we, we still that had a ways to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable that it's, Here, it's been 12 years. We've, we've come a long way in 12 years, you know? Yeah, well, it, we've only in the past, like, three years figured out that trans people are, in fact, people as a society, so. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. I, I still feel like we have quite a ways to come on that. And also, um, like, if, if you want a, a good uh, sort of bellwether as to if Shane Black is really that terrible, like, the movie he, he made last year, The Nice Guys, is, is ha- has basically none of what we're talking about. It's not really homophobic, and it's not oh, that aggressive, but it's... Yeah. It's, and it's also a much better film than this. Like, if you like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and have not seen The Nice Guys, get on that, because it's amazing. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put this on Shane Black at all. I'm... I'm just saying that all of us were were maybe a little less, for, to, to forgive the term, woke than we in 2005 than we are now. Right, and I think at least for my part, I was. Huh, I don't. I don't know. I was. I think more willing to accept 
the homophobia just because the way that gay perry is written like he is so aggressive and so sort of like he's schmarmy he's, he's, he's it's a he's a good character if not for the fact that well, they're always reminding you that he's gay well he's extremely smarmy but he's also like so confident in himself that you that you really just buy it from him you know it, like it, yeah. it, you're you're like you're okay watching him like if it if the movie had just been him if if harry had been taken out of the picture it probably would have still worked fairly well Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I'm totally with Harry's you. Harry's just a fact, huge piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the primary question is whether or not the the fact that this movie is a product of its time is forgivable in light of how, in for lack of a better term, good the rest of this movie is. Um, Joe had mentioned the what was it? The other guys, the nice guys, the nice guys, the, yeah, the nice guys. Uh, is pretty much this movie except more. It's a. Uh, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say woke because the the nice guys takes place in the 70s when wokeness was not a thing. Correct. But it's it's more socially acceptable than uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is now. Certainly, so, elements of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes. Right. So in that sense, like like uh, even Shane Black is sort of learning what he can and cannot socially do in a in a an r-rated uh detective comedy over the course of time so and mind you between between now and then he's produced like an iron man movie for a gigantic you know corporate studio so like he's you know he's he's no dummy he knows what he knows what the rules are but he also knows kind of when to when to uh skirt the rules if you will yes yes so we can get into the what what's she has three first names what's her name Harmony Faith Lane. Faith Lane. Harmony Faith Lane. What's her deal? Like the portrayal of her seems a little bit mixed to me. Yeah, it's like it's they can't a decide odd. if they want her to be like a sassy, independent person or like a damsel in distress, especially with the whole like nighty thing. Yeah, Whitey, like she's what, the she's, white knight. Yeah, because like she's definitely you know under the influence of these terrible, trashy detective novels. So she kind of is just plays this character as. Um, the de facto uh, damsel in distress, but also like she's got a head on her shoulders and she kind of knows what's up, and she's arguably the smartest character in the movie. Right, there and is still a thing that really bugs me, and it just kind of ties into like just kind of the casual sexism of Hollywood in general, I guess. Not yeah. the, mm-hmm. not of the time of Hollywood, of the fact that there's a there's a wacky misunderstanding scene where like she is asleep and a spider crawls in her bra, so. Because that's what happens, I guess. And Robert Downey Jr. then smacks her breast to kill the spider, and she's just like, oh, you just grabbed a tit, whatever, it happens. It's like, no, it, it doesn't happen. Who are you hanging out with, lady? And I, I I, I feel like the movie is a bit showing its age here as well. I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough line to walk with this sort of movie. Like, they're trying to... Well, we'll get, in, we'll get into Henry in a minute, but... Harry. Harry, sorry. Harry in a moment but i don't know it's it, you, you can argue that's not you know harry's decision to make or like harry harry shouldn't be judging i don't know yeah because it's more he yeah he's not like being mm. like wow it's fucked up that you're just like used to people treating you like this he's like what kind of people are you hanging out with 
You know, like, he's pulling the nice guy route is, he, is the problem with it. Absolutely he is. He's definitely pulling sort of the he's he has friend zoned himself so incredibly hard. It's so it's throughout kind of this entire movie, in fact. Yeah. And he he keeps doing it to himself almost in spite of himself, because you get the sense that he's definitely trying to at least do the right thing by everybody, by especially Harmony. But at the same time, he doesn't in, in, know when enough is enough, really. Yeah, and in 2005, it would have pl- it, it probably would have played a little bit more into the like thief with a heart of gold sort of thing. But nowadays, it just kind of comes off. He's kind of an asshole, right? It it just seems like a, like kind of toxic now. Yeah, um, in a way now, that didn't seem t- you know 12 years ago. Correct. Um, I guess that that got into the primary point that I was that I was trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so the three like primary characters in this movie are very odd sort of cases because you've got you know the gay detective who is extremely sure, you know, extremely confident in his abilities and himself and who he is as a person, and then you've got the 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 damsel or, or the damsel slash femme fatale who is equally capable and confident, but also kind of the plot demands that she be a damsel in distress, and then you have Harry who is our ostensible hero who is a consummate fuck-up and ha- knows absolutely nothing and still sort of accidentally saves the day because he's Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. Eh, I mean, the actual motivations and the way that the characters sort of play out, it's sort of like they're... It's almost like Cabin in the Woods, how they're kind of thrust into the roles that they're that are written for them kind of by the dictates of what the way movies operate. Or the way that pulp movies are supposed to operate. Yeah, I guess and- that's sort of... I don't know if it's intentional. I mean, it's slightly intentional, but maybe not in the way that they intended. And you, you do get the sense that, like, if, if this movie existed in the real world, like, these characters would not be doing any of this shit. Like, they're all clearly right. too smart for this, but they're still doing it anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, can I mention the one running gag that I do enjoy? Yeah. Um, is that any time a character has been killed or is thought to be killed, that's when the stay in alive ringtone starts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did like that. Movie. I did like that little detail. <laughs> but anyways. Or just the, um, the fact that at a certain point in the film, Harry gets one of his fingers cut off and is, it's a, a constant source of like, Jokes. Agony. Yeah. Well, jokes and agony. Jokes and agony to like to just to mangle this man's hand just for kicks, basically. Yes. I don't know. I I enjoy I enjoy seeing Robert Downey Jr. get hurt. I don't know. One you enjoy did... you join, enjoy seeing this man suffer. Yes, I do. One Sorry. thing I did kind mm-hmm. of like was the first time he kills a guy, he kills the guy who kills the pink haired lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he like breaks down over it and like hugs a dog for a while. Yeah. And then, like, later he kills three guys just as a matter of course of, like, this is what fucking needs to happen now. Yeah. Right, like, at a certain point, he he kind of goes on that little journey of, like, becoming an actual, like, detective character. And just Yeah, because that's people. something we forgot to mention, is, like, at the start, he lies and tells a friend of Harmony that he's a detective, which is why she goes and seeks him out later when her sister's missing. Right. And then he rolls with it because he wants to be close to Harmony. Exactly. Huh. Instead of just telling her, you know, like, no, but my friend Perry is a detective. Let's go talk to him. Once the the events of the film are over, Harry actually becomes like an intern at Perry's uh, detective agency. It's a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. And 
See now, and and now at this at this point, like I want to just start like talking about like our favorite gags and things, but like that would kind of be spoiling the movie a little bit because some of the gags are some of the best parts of the film. I and, feel like yeah, that yeah. As a detective story, it's it's not particularly interesting except for the fact that it's written very like sort of self as a, like a self parody almost, but mm-hmm. like the the gags that take place in the film and the one liners that kind of crop up. That's where the real like meat of the story is, and where the the real fun of of watching the movie is because the character interaction is very fun, and the one liners are very clever. Yeah, yes, yeah. And just yeah. kind of like to tie both the fact that like some of the jokes are funny with the fact that it's also two thousand five. There's a scene where um, Perry kills a guy by he has a gun hidden in his crotch, basically, and he says homophobes never check there. Right. And Robert Downey Jr.'s response is to be like, "Oh, it's a gun. I thought gay people could shoot bullets out their dicks." <laughs> And it's like, you can't really tell if his character is just that fucking uncomfortable with gay people, or if he is just making like the like the like most offensive joke imaginable, or if he just literally is that stupid. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, le- I'm leaning towards the fact that he's just a huge fucking homophobe, but like, yeah, I think Robert Downey Jr.'s character is played up in that way. It's true. To be, yeah, to yeah. be this way. Um. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's completely an intentional choice. Like I had mentioned before, like at the beginning where he like gags a little bit, mm-hmm. like or he he gags when when to evade the cops. Perry insists that they make out. Oh yep yep yeah. There's that too. You so can there's find there's that there's that the gag that, that every detective story has to do. And yeah, then my my first thought was like, oh, it's Ronan. Yeah yeah. <laughs> um. So hey, let's let's talk about this movie and its relationship to Christmas real quick. Go ahead. Uh, it takes place at Christmas. It does. And that's about it. No, I'm just... There's about... a character who wears a Santa hat at one point. Yes. Yeah. And there's a party. There's a Christmas party at one point. Th- that happens. And there are a couple of scenes where, you know, some holiday music plays. But for the most part, um, this is really only Christmas adjacent. Uh, like we said, you know, most Shane Black films tend to be. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot to pick apart we... with this though mm-hmm. no, i'm sorry go ahead i think i mentioned this during our Die Hard episode but it stands to reason that one out of every 12 action movies should take place during christmas you would season. think so yeah yeah anyways it, it, just it, a it's, thought it, it, it makes sense because because of the natural sort of progression of time like not every not every action movie can take place in the middle of summer yeah i think i mentioned that yeah i still do insist on defending Die Hard is an actual Christmas movie, though, because it plays a lot more with the trappings of Christmas than, like, a Shane Black movie does. Yes, it does, and also, to get into our, our one other bellwether, bellwether, the the fact that it is Christmas um, causes the action. Otherwise... You, you, you have to think up... Uh, Christmas is, like, the path least resistance to making, this, making the plot of Die Hard work. Correct. You right. could do it without Christmas, but you're having to, like thread a bunch of needles he could be coming home for thanksgiving but it doesn't quite work as well yeah then it's like well why are they having a thanksgiving party like yes. a big drunken thanksgiving party at, at the office you know exactly Correct. exactly yes um, and usually one one does not go to see their somewhat estranged wife during thanksgiving i mean it could happen because, but i mean it, it could part. happen but <laughs> it, it like john said christmas is definitely the path of least resistance 
but uh, yeah, getting back to, to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah, this is it's just something that Shane Black likes to do because I think he likes the way Christmas lights look in movies and tends, they do look good. He he tends to like uh, even even the nice guys, which is not at all a Christmas movie, and we will probably never discuss it on the podcast unless we're doing it right now. Like it does not take place at Christmas, but there is one scene that does, and of course there are Christmas lights in it, and it's just never remarked upon because every Shane mm-hmm. Black movie has to have Christmas lights in it. Which Iron Man did he direct? Uh, number Here. yeah, number three. Okay, and yes, that one does take place around the holidays. So uh, hey, tune in next year. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so hey, let's let's uh, crankometer this bad boy, shall we? Crank out the crankometer. I think yeah, I, I, I think we've we've talked out uh, kiss kiss bang bang as far as we can kind of take it. So uh, I, I was I'm... gonna say this podcast seems a little short, but it's because we didn't talk about video games, so that makes sense. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Animal Maybe Crossing it's... Pocket Camp is out. Download that fucker and friend me. Okay. Oh boy, <laughs> there it is. I'll I'll put Johnny Five's friend number in the show notes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair Great. enough. So, uh, uh, with the crankometer, as you know, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, uh, this is our patented scale of X Y of an X Y axis, where we discuss how Christmassy the film is versus uh, how good the film is, and we plot it on our little chart like it's a hurricane graph, and that's a lot of fun. So, hey guys, yes. uh, the X axis, the Christmas quotient, how Christmassy is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? What did we rate Wild Card? That is a good question. Let because me... I I feel like this is a about it might even be a little less Christmassy than Wild Card. I'd to be say honest. maybe give it one point for every kiss, but then take away a point for every bang. <laughs> well, that was going to be my quality answer, but okay. Okay, so Wild Card, we we scored Wild Card a negative four, and I feel like this is a little bit more Christmassy than that. Okay, um, which would be a if, if honestly, if only for Harmony's outfit. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give this a one. Oh. Just because that's too, hi- that's too high, man. Really? I'm go with, I'm, let's go with zero. Yeah, sure? I, oh, okay. I might even go into the negatives. I'd say like a negative one because this could have taken place during any time, any old time of the year. It's true. I mean, that's it's, true. Yeah, yeah. And they like they don't even do anything like dark and sinister with like the Christmas. Yeah, like like, like yeah, nobody's like, nobody's killed with a candy cane. Nobody gets mm-hmm. like a stocking thrown over their head and choked. Like it's. They don't do anything with it except just use it as accoutrements and, and decoration. But Correct. Time, they use it as an God excuse to kill play... someone's mom to make another guy feel more Christmassy. So it has that mm, going for it. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, this is basically an excuse to put up Christmas lights and play Christmas music over fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and put what's her name in a skimpy Santa dress. Yeah. Or like the scene where Robert Downey Jr. is getting getting the absolute loving shit kicked out of him to like White Christmas or whatever. There you go. Yep. That's all the excuse That's you, all you need. need. That's all you need. Neg- negative one. I'd say. I'd uh, say a yeah. negative one. Let's go negative one. Yeah, I'm good with that. Ugh, all right. It's, it, it's a two to one vote. I already lost. So negative one, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Christmasosity. So then, our on our y axis, how good is this movie? Uh, I I'm I'm still gonna like defend the movie and say it's. It's well produced. The script is is clever and smart and funny, and it's well it's well acted. So I'm gonna at least give this film. I want to say a three, but I know I'm gonna be fought on that as well. Mm. Um, I'd be I I okay with three because the way I feel about a lot of like the 2005 ish homophobia is it's kind of one of those things where like when you read Lovecraft, you just to be real, you just have to like be aware of like 
the time this came out, people were just really casually racist. Like they just, and, it's not like, trying it's to not, excuse it. Yeah, but it's, it's just, a, just it's like just, they didn't giving, know any better. Yeah, it's like, kind of. Yeah, I, I I agree there. Like it's definitely a product yeah, it's of not its excuse, time. It's a context. And exactly. I, I I feel like with the way that they wrote Perry himself, if you look past the way that they wrote people's reactions to Perry, I feel like they're almost on yeah, the cusp like, of like getting it. Yeah, like I don't feel like Perry is the problem with the movie. I feel like Harry's reactions to Perry are the problem with the movie. Correct. Well, it's it's also important to note that like at, part of Harry's character is that he's like very much sort of the the East Coast piece of shit um like yeah. Not even tough guy, but like he's very much like not a, a, attuned to the way things are done on the West Coast, so yeah, it's, some of the jokes are a little unforgivable, though. Like, yeah, even, with, even taking that into consideration, like it, it, don't quit your gay job. Like who says uh, that? A character in a Shane Black movie says that. I That's my only I defense. Know. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and and also I I do want to to say like um it, if it sounds like you know oh god what am I trying to say here basically like I think I feel like. As a screenwriter, Shane Black is everything that Joss Whedon wants to be, <laughs> because like he can actually turn these these strange phrases and quips and one liners into things that sound clever when written, and not just like, hey, you know the the hey, you know the trope that everyone likes to make fun of. I'm definitely not going to do the trope by doing the trope and then saying I'm not doing it. Like that's kind of what Joss yeah. Whedon tends to do. Shane Black yeah. just straight up goes for it and then like makes a joke on it, like then just moves on. I would if if it were just me rating it, I would do I would do a two, but I'm willing to meet you at a three because otherwise it is a well made movie, and I like I like movies that break the fourth wall. I liked most of this movie. I would not be able to go any higher because of the 2005 ness of some that, of it. That's perfectly fair. I I will agree with you there. Yeah, um, like and, I, and I'll even for mm-hmm. I'll even say like this movie. Like I, I when it first came out, I loved it. I was all about this movie. It has not particularly aged well for me. So like, it, it, I'm gonna bring it down just a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say a three, and then I'll use the other two points to uh, throw them at Joss Whedon and knock out his fucking teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank boy. you. Speaking of which, uh, oh boy, Justice League. That was a hell of a thing. Anyway, we oh, don't yeah? even have to talk about that. Wait, is that Joss Whed? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, even less reason to see it he co-wrote the script and then he finished directing the movie and oh boy oh boy can you tell barf o rama <laughs> i haven't seen a dc movie since man of steel don't bother <laughs> i mean yeah like wonder woman is fine but otherwise don't <laughs> okay yeah i mean i've been meaning to watch wonder woman for a while but it's almost three hours long yeah that's that's a problem um, yeah, I've heard it's good, but we'll get there. Maybe on a flight someday. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to do it. Um, so yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on our patented crankometer scores a negative one, uh, three. So chart that out and uh, put that on your, your two-watch calendar if you feel like it. Um, so this has been uh, Chris, Shane Black Friday on here on Christmas Creeps. Um, if you're looking for stuff to watch during the holiday season, because we are now officially like full bore in the holiday season... Um, go over to our website, christmascreeps.com. We've put up a, uh, a brief list of what I'm calling our top 10 holiday movies that are on Netflix because I scanned through Netflix and found 10 movies, exactly 10, there are only 10, 
that are actually on Netflix that we've also covered on the podcast. There's some bangers in there. Some bangers and some real mash too. Like it's it's <laughs> kind of half and half. Who says Netflix doesn't have anything good anymore? Yeah, I know, right? Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, what's that? Um, you go to this website. It's uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you type Futurama into the box. Go to www.nfl.com. Just check it out. And just check it out. <laughs> Sorry. Why? Why are you? Why are you telling us to watch Futurama? I was just suggesting something to watch this holiday season. I mean, it is good. It is good for any season. Yeah. Go to uh, no rated don't. best. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. So this has been Christmas creeps, everybody, for Black Friday. I hope your uh, your holiday shopping has begun and has has gone uh, smoothly. I hope you haven't uh, been trampled by raging uh, Walmart goers for those fifty seven inch TVs or whatever you're buying. Um, but uh, we will be back. Shortly, sometime in December, with another episode or two for your holiday enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any I, questions in her comments, John, I'm sorry. Go ahead. As I'm personally going to go hide back in the network of tunnels I've dug in my backyard filled with buoy traps so that nobody can make me go to Thanksgiving dinner. I like it. Mm. Good Give me the that. passcode so I can join you. Passcode is Futurama. Yeah! <laughs> marathon time. Hell yeah. Tur- Turkey Day Marathon. All right. So, uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can get at us a couple of different ways. You can go to xmascreeps at gmail.com and email us. Go to Twitter, uh, at Christmas Creeps is our handle on Twitter. Go to facebook.com slash Christmas Creeps. And hey, if you like the show and you want to get people to listen to it, go to iTunes, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff, and leave us a star rating and a review. That lets people know that people are actually listening to the show. And I know people are listening because I can see the uh, download stats, but nobody else can because uh, why broadcast it? But uh, I would love to have some ex- some new listeners for the holiday season. So if you could share that around, that would be fantastic. Um, and if you want to keep on commenting, just go to YouTube, find any old video comment on it. We'll find it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just love go it. for it. Do do your thing and uh, have a blast. Uh, so for Christmas creeps, I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Bradford. I am John Ethan Five, the human robot. Wishing you all uh, a lovely uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, uh, whenever you're listening to this show. Uh, have a good Monday. one. Monday. Monday. Happy Friday. Uh, see y'all later. Happy Christmas. I mean, if I had to, to sum it up, and I do, because, you know, it's like the end. Um, I would say that this movie is about, it's about friendship. Friendship is... is, is what are you is, doing? Is, is sacred. I'm just trying to wrap up the movie and leave, leave the people with a message. Um, oh, and I've got a message for you. Right. Get your feet up my fucking desk. Sorry. Uh, I work for Perry now. And stop narrating. That's it. Please stay for the end credits. If you're wondering who the best boy is, it's someone's nephew. Don't forget to validate your parking. And uh, for all of you good people in the Midwest, sorry we said fuck so much. Say goodnight. Thanks again. Now go. Vanish.